What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG podcast. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. With me today is author of note, um, country, a half country traveler, um, a a man of uh, many hats. He does podcasts. He writes. Um, I'm waiting for the TV show eventually to show up. Uh, it is my friend and rock on tour, Tim Miller. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. I am a man of very hats, and I'm in my Nuggets hat right it's now. Um, and I to like rep, um, you know, I've got a. I've been doing the best I could. I'm, I'm wearing my Nuggets hats on the various podcasts that I guest on that are not sports. You know, to to send the message. I, I, I it's sort of sad that my extremely minor daytime cable news celebrity, I think, puts me in the top you know two or three most notable nuggets fans we don't we don't have like a big list of like famous nuggets fans out there you know so uh, i'm trying my best to corner that market i I wore my Jokic when i was on the circus Mm -hmm. i wore the Jokic joker shirt that the uh, dnvr boys sell yeah and um i was hoping that you know that was going to be a little a subtle signal to the world but it didn't didn't have to didn't have the impact that i was hoping for well you got one up on me because i'm just wearing my hollywood upstairs medical college shirt (laughs) um uh and i should have worn i got my lafonso ellis shirt or uh jersey right here i should have worn that but i reppin but i got it that's my that's the only jersey i own i will never own another jersey that's the only one i will ever own um because i got mock mood i got mock mood and, and jamal murray that i'm gonna be i'm gonna be mixing up over the next month yeah so are you uh planning on uh like go, are you gonna make it back to denver for any of these games yeah yes i keep wait well my initial plan i happen to be laying over through denver um coming back from my friend's wedding um on what would have been the day of game seven of the sun series. Mm. And so I guess this is my professional transition into our topic of the, of the day, <laughs> the sun series. I'm, I'm feeling less likely that there will be a game seven of the sun series, but um, you never know. Um, so if that is to happen, I will probably uh, cancel the back half of the flight and stay in Denver for the seventh game. Um, and then um, we're playing it by ear, but uh, no, my, my tentative plan is that I will come uh, probably alone to a game and then depending on how well things go, maybe maybe I'll I'll bring the fan back uh towards the end of the finals. But now we're getting now we're getting really high on our own supply here. So we'll, oh, yeah. we're we're playing it game by game. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it too, because I'm I'm no longer uh I don't get to see games for free anymore. So I'm like, how I, can can I make it to a game? <laughs> Uh, I I put a big bet on the Nuggets Celtics finals preseason um, that wow. is going to pay for my tickets to a Nuggets Celtics game. Uh, I will uh, uh, if if it makes it that far. So hey. uh, so that's that's my financial. I'm a journalist now, you know. So uh, I've I've sacrificed my, my uh, a little bit on the financial side, but uh, I so I will be using my ga- uh, just as God intended. Uh, I'll be using my gambling winnings to to attend uh, a finals game if, uh-huh. if if it makes it to that. What's the best thing you can use gambling winnings for is to 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 bet to re reinvest in what you're what you're yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so uh, well okay well everyone's not here to hear Tim and I um, gab like a couple of queens uh, we uh, we are here to talk about our Denver Nuggets and 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 in this first segment we're going to be talking about the first two games of this series and, and in fact you know uh, before we get into that. We had a whole series before you and I have got onto this podcast. So yeah. 
I'm not going to have us talk about seven games, but yeah. I said like, it, I guess what gets you don't us want me to an- analyze the drop coverage in game two of the Wolves series. We don't need, we don't need to go minute by minute on that. Yeah. I, I, I did enough an ad on this okay. fucking podcast. I probably, we probably don't need to hear that again, but I would like to hear your opinion about the journey from the beginning of the playoffs to, to, yeah. to now, what is your overall view? I mean, so how could you just be anything but overjoyed and ebullient? Right. Um, uh, you know, they have exceeded my expectations. I Well, credit to you, I guess not credit yet, because, again, we don't want to count chickens before they have hatched. But um, you were much more optimistic about the Sun Series than I was on our on our private text chain. Right. I was nervous. I was cautiously optimistic. Um, I liked there were elements of the matchup I liked, which we could get into. There are elements I was worried about, mm-hmm. um, which, I, which I still am slightly worried about. Um, the main one being that crunch time efficiency of of booker and 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 durant you know versus yeah i we're very efficient as well but that that that's that they just know how to get easy shots for themselves and and can get easy shots for themselves and uh luckily we haven't had a close game we haven't had a crunch time really to uh to explore that uh that concern um so i i'm i've i've been you know i i felt very good about the wolves series felt very good about owning your friend tim Connolly as part of this journey um you know and uh and having that be step one we don't skip steps right, right. tim um so right. we stepped right over him in game <laughs> one um and uh in series one rather and you know I, I i think that there was reason to be worried about the last month of the year mm-hmm. um because I, you know it was not just that the nuggets were lackadaisical the defensive you know, uh, uh, vulnerabilities were on display. Um, you know, the, 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 when the offense looks bad, which has luckily only emerged probably three quarters, this whole playoff so far, very over the course of set of seven games. Um, we saw a lot of that, the, you know, the clunky, uh, offense, uh, over the last month. And so I think there was reason to be concerned going in, but man, they're, um, they're firing on all cylinders and I'm as, I'm as optimistic as I've ever been about a Nuggets team. Uh, I think that they are the co-favorite right now to be the champion, I think, objectively speaking. And um, it reminds me, there was a time probably in February or March where I was like, man, uh, one of my other sports loves the LSU Tigers. And I was like, this reminds me of the Burrow Tigers. It was starting to in February and March, like right when they were clicking. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, things get clunky. Football season's different, 17 games versus 100 games. You're playing... um, but um, I'm starting to get that feeling again, you know, like, like it really is just, it's, it really is just clicking for this team. It's interesting to think about because I, I it, let's, let's go back in the way back machine here to sure. 2009. They cleaned the clocks of the um, New Orleans Hornets as right. they were known at the time. And then they just kicked the shit out of the, the Dallas Mavericks uh, that, that the one game the Dallas, as I remember, the Dallas Mavericks got in that series was a very close win in Dallas in Game Four, and uh, where Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki I think had like forty five points in order to get yeah. them to win that game. So you, there's there's kind of ways you can tell, and I think fans can sniff a fraud and they can also sniff out a a a a winner. Yeah, and I think fans have been above the uh, uh, bourgeoisie. <laughs> As far as this goes, the people who cover these teams have been they've been way ahead of it because the fans, I don't think we're as anxiety filled as 
a lot of the coverage of the Nuggets would dictate that they were. I don't. I think people understood, at least just my perception, particularly the last week of the season, when um, this team basically took it off. I, I there's yeah. no way. There's no other way to t- say it. After they won, they beat Memphis. They're like, eh, we got this, yeah. and that was. That was maybe that was like not- three weeks, actually, not one week. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's right. I, I think there was some I, I, I agree with you. I like my Nuggets text chain was less worried than the Twitter was, um, though, you know, there was a little bit of worry. And I think there was some genuine concern about like it, it seemed a little bit like the players in Malone maybe weren't speaking the same language on whether we were taking off the last three weeks. It's I was like, I, I think there was a reason to be like, hey. If we're really taking off the last three weeks and like Jamal's going to sit some games and, you know, we're, we're going to like, you know, play them 20 minutes like it's an NFL preseason game and, and or whatever, like, OK, but they but Malone's like grinding them into dust, you know, while they're half assing it. And so I think right. that I think that was a legitimate concern, though. And, and we can get into this, but I think Malone has been excellent in yeah. the first seven games of the playoffs. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, everyone's got their flaws and their strengths. But I think maybe that's one of Malone's flaws is that um, there might have been they might not have been simpatico with Jokic on the effort level that was being uh, asked for from the last three weeks of the year. But but yeah, you're right. I think that that that, that like in 2009, though I think there's one important difference from 2009, but like in 2009, you know, by the middle of the year, there was really a sense mm-hmm. like, oh, this is serious. Like, you know, and I, I, I remember that, like me just like this year planning when, because I was on in DC then, when am I going to Denver? Like what games am I going to try to get to, right? Because um, they're going to make a real run here. That said, I think the key difference between this year and, tw- and 2009 is like, I, I think they look uh, objectively like the best team in the whole playoffs. Um, right. This, right? Um, and, and, and though that 2009 team looked really good um, against, and, and maybe there are some similarities right, really, frankly, between, you know, that kind of one man band Dirk, you know, top heavy Dirk team. Um, but, uh, and, and these sons, but, uh, you know, you're looking at the Kobe Gasol Lakers coming down the pike, and I, I don't, I, you know, I, I know we we could we could do a whole podcast reliving the 2009 series. Uh, I think there's reason to believe that that was something that could have been won by those Nuggets, but right. um, they were still. I don't think anybody was like we're objectively better than this Lakers team, and right. and I would feel that way about about you know them, uh, you know, if it were the 2023 Lakers that we end up facing. Well, here's here's an interesting thought exercise that we can go through here because we you know as nuggets fans we don't have a ton of great history to draw from a la the lakers or the celtics or any of these teams that are currently in the playoffs you know it's other than the nuggets basically right now and one of the things that i look at on in these things is like you look at the other competition and how they played and how how they have navigated their own issues. The Nuggets really haven't had any unsolvable issue, and that has been very fortunate. And you'd look at these first two games. The, there was a game one blowout and a game two uh, fourth quarter blowout is what it mm-hmm. turned into. Um, and what you saw was a game where the, this, the, the Suns couldn't match up. And then the second game where the Suns threw their best defensive, uh, effort that they have since Durant got there basically is what it was. And they hit a brick wall. And to me, game two was more edifying than game one. 
because game one, it, there's always a, there's always one of those games in a series. There's always one. And to me, game two was like, this is where we have more counters than you. And I think that part is important to an- analyzing this Nuggets team because there was a game like that. Game two in the, the Minnesota series was the same way where the Nuggets just had one bad quarter and then flipped the switch and got got back so when you look at this team is it kind of a a similar way you're looking at this because like i said we only have this small sample size to go from here Um, but it does it feel that way to you where this team just has more answers absolutely and and offensively and and when you just watch the rest of the playoffs you know that i've been i've been watching religiously like no team gets easier shots over the course of four quarters than the nuggets right i like the nuggets have a real offense they're getting good looks like except for you know the handful of times that jamal like dribbles there out of the ball for for 17 seconds and and gets into a bad um iso uh which by the way was a great offense in game one because he was hitting he was hitting everything but right <laughs> sometimes that that's bad sometimes that's bad offense uh-huh. and then sometimes with the bench though really the ag at, at the five um, experiment has has solved a lot of the benches problems and so sometimes you see the bench offense slow down if you're you know when you're going to jeff green iso or something i start to yeah you know start to cringe a little bit but but if you watch these other games there's a lot of that like there's a lot you know um uh, a, a lot of these teams struggling to get into their offense the nuggets have not had that so i, I do think they have more counters and then your big vulnerability you think of is defense and the Jokic pick and roll and man i think the most encouraging thing i've seen through the first seven games is Jokic was excellent in pick and roll defense at the level against Devin Booker um, in particular in game two. And, you know, and and if he can just be passable, right. uh, He doesn't have to be great. Uh, If he can just be passable in that, in that high pick and roll that, you know, you know, we'll get if we end up with the warriors a lot and you know, that the Suns will keep feeding him tomorrow night. um, Then, then I think that, that that is like the one deep, big defensive vulnerability that people worry about. But no, I, I do think they have more counters on offense. I I have a the slightest of worries about the game two, you know, kind of Jamal watch. You know, I think that Jamal is all, all of a sudden people are like, oh God, we have to like try to game plan around Jamal. Right. And like, is that game planable? I, I, I hope not. I don't think so, but maybe, right? Uh, I, I don't think that they were game planning around Jamal in game one and right. in game two, they obviously were. And that had an effect on him. Um, he does look tired out there a lot sometimes. And so it's like the, if they're doing the, the cold Chris Paul thing, they're guarding him full court, they're trapping him, they're putting him in the they're putting him into uh, uh, the actions on the defensive end every time down the floor. Like, is that going to work? Maybe. Um, I, I thought that was a good counter by the Suns. So, you know, we'll kind of see how game three right. turns out on that front. It also could have just been a bad Jamal game. He has this. Well, um, just looking at it, from from where where I've been observing with this Nuggets team is that the best their best defense on the on the pick and roll is playing blitzing the the blitzing, at the yeah. at the level and it's yeah. by far and they have to stick with it most of the time I I think I can understand Jokic's um, not wanting to do it a lot because it is a lot more tiring than just dropping right. back it is it you just if you drop back it is just it's just you're not doing you're not being aggressive and you're not exerting that much that much energy and i get it um but they are best when they're like that because their backside help has been a lot better um and when you do that blitzing you got to have everyone rush and just commit to defense like uh, specifically on the backside 
Um, and and actually, MPJ has been really good at that. I've been more impressed with his defense these this playoffs than I have anything yeah. else that he's contributed. But at KCP, Bruce Brown, uh, Christian Christian Brown, all these guys are just really contributing on that defense. And when you do that sort of coverage, you have to have these guys extra commit. And it seems like even when the uh, the 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 Suns were had Chris Paul healthy in game two, he was figuring out some things when the nuggets were dropping back a bit, but he didn't do it when they were, they were blitzing. And I think that was due to this backside coverage that the nuggets had. Yeah. Maybe that's different. If you, you know, you look at the teams left and it's like Celtics, I guess, like maybe that doesn't work against the Celtics. Like if, if there is, if there were teams out there that had a lot of, three point options right? right you worry about that right like you know um uh that blitzing ends up leading to open threes but with the with the suns it's kind of like i hope it leads to open threes if that if it means that tory craig or, or landry shamit or josh akoki are taking them like great like fine um and so you know and even if you look at a at a warrior series like uh you know they're having to have you know draymond wiggins uh, Peyton out on the court. Um, uh, and, and, and so I, I think that the same theory could work there. Obviously, you know, Steph's a different animal than Devin Booker. Um, you know, and it helps with that. Jokic has figured out Deandre Ayton and who, uh, I was on another text, uh, Shane talking about this and we were talking about who he reminds you of. And he reminds me of, and this is such a Jeff reference. Uh, he reminds me of Rony Cycley. <laughs> it's like, it's, he looks like Rony Cycley to me, the way his arms are long. But, you know, Cycley was quicker, actually. DeAndre Ayton is surprisingly slow for a yeah. guy who's athletic, as athletic as he is. He's not very, not very fast. Famously on Christmas, the uh, was caught on that hot mic talking about how fast Jokic is. It's right. like, that's a concerning sign. We've okay. we've crossed the Rubicon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I was thinking about that. Is like okay, Jokic has figured out Aiden and Biombo's. Let's forget about him. Yeah, come on. I mean, and we're not going to think that Chris Kamen of the NBA right now, Jock Landale, is going to be uh, going to be giving Jokic too many problems right now. So that is one concern. I'm not concerned about. I I mean, I think if, I, if I'm going to have a concern, it's sort of like yours with Jamal. It's only that Jamal when he gets into these periods where he has a good game and a good, great game. Like he did in game one. And in, in, if you notice this, it just, there's the next two games after that, he just kind of jacks a little. And I think he was what, uh, three of 12 or three of 13 again in yeah. game two. It was, like it was worse than three of 12. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was, it was really bad. And the shots weren't close and which was, which was a bad sign. That is one thing with Jamal, but I but I have faith that he always gets around it, you know. So I guess my concern is only very, very small with 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 Jamal as far as that goes. But in these first two games, what is the thing that has stood out to you the most? What is the what is the headline of the first two games? Um I guess I'd say the eight man rotation is just unbelievably solid right now and so for, for that kind of saves malone from some of his worst instincts credit to him for going to it actually mm -hmm. but uh you know you just look at the suns um and and even the timberwolves for that matter and it's like 
you know, if, if, if you're taking away one element, like they're, they're running out of elements to go mm-hmm. to. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that hasn't been the case for the nuggets. Um, a lot of folks have stepped up. KCP AG has been awesome yep. um, defensively. The, and the other thing I guess is this is a team that my, that my other headline is, which, which is related is this team. I think maybe I probably doesn't have a reputation because nobody talks about them. So maybe to say that they have a rest, you have reputation to be but for being soft is the wrong word, but there's like this right. sense that they're a little soft. Um, even among the fans, even among me, like my text chains and stuff. But, um, but man, have they been tough? I just, I, if you just like Charmin soft cat in round one and Mm -hmm. then Deandre and, and the rest of the Suns team in round two, it is like really stood out that, that, that they're battle tested, that they are, that they're up for the moment that they're fucking taking it to them. You're using physicality. Remember that game was probably in January where they were on an East Coast road trip and they went to Boston and Boston just out physicaled them. Like yep. they just looked more athletic, looked bigger. Mm-hmm. And 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 I the, I don't know if that was whatever, a long road trip, one night off. There was a wake up call there. But like that is not happening to this team. Like right. um they look um uh like they're um you know physically up for this mm-hmm. um in a way, you know, the in a way that I, I think has the potential to go the distance. It's really encouraging. And um, I think these first two games, be it the blowout, be it the fourth quarter blowout is what basically I've chosen to, to refer to it as. I think I think what you've seen is that this Nuggets team is super confident and not every Nuggets team that has ever entered the playoffs has been confident, particularly no. last year. Um, and, and even the year before that against the Suns in the second round, it's just this team just didn't have it. You can and, see the confidence building too yeah, in the yeah, team, yeah. in the Malone comments after the game. I mean, they are, they feel it. Right. Which is great. I mean, you That's and I've watched basketball enough to know that half the, half the fucking thing is confidence and half of it. I mean, it's just like life, but it's like half of it is just knowing yourself and knowing what you can do and knowing what you can do is better than someone else. And yeah. I think that has been really, and I mean, maybe that's what we see. Maybe that is what we see responding to this Nuggets team because, I mean, that 2009 team had a ton of confidence, um, irrational yeah. confidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, J.R. Smith, led by J.R. Smith yeah. in that. And, and that that part was, you could feel it. The the fans at the arena loved J.R., you know. Yeah. And with this Kenyon, this Kenyon and, yeah. you know, um, Anthony Carter. Oh, um, anyway, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> not Anthony Carter. Anthony the Carter. rest of the team had confidence. Uh, so maybe Anthony Carter had confidence in himself. Well, he did. But, and, uh, yeah, and, and George had confidence in him. You yeah. got to say this about even Jokic, who is just unbelievable, phenomenal, like otherworldly, is just such a gift that we get to watch him. And um, but even Jokic, I I don't know if if I got the sense in the bubble that Jokic felt like they were going to win the title. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know. I, 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 you just, I, I, he's a little bit of an aloof person generally, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but body language being, you know, body language doctor, right? Like that just, it felt like they were, you know, happy to be there and like they were competing, they were competing and they won those two game sevens, those two huge comebacks, but it was like, it, it felt like, oh, this is a golden, you know, slipper team and mm-hmm. like, uh, like, and, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, and obviously, in the last two years, um, it hasn't been there. 
I think they, you know, I, it, it definitely, you know, um, it, it feels like Jokic knows that he could dominate these last two. And went to, I mean, Cat and and Rudy sure are soft and and French and whatever, and and De- DeAndre is, but they're still as good of fives as he's going to face, and he has just big dogged all three of them, right. like absolutely, right? I mean, this was the whole theory of the Connolly case, you know, not to keep rubbing it in, but like of that trade, right? Was that like, it was a Jokic answer, you know, that they would have two bigs, that they, there'd be more ways to count, that they would have more ways to counter the opposite, you know, Jokic mm-hmm. has sunned them and Aiton and there's nobody, I mean, who's like, there's nobody down the path and unless Philly gets to the finals, um, there's nobody else in that position. You're kind of, you know, assuming that they would win on. You're looking at Anthony Davis and Kevon Looney and what Al Horford, Robert Williams <laughs> that you're going to play against. Right. And yeah. so yeah. I, I just think that he has really um, like demonstrated that, that confidence um, in a way that I think is a category difference from, from how, how he's been in the past. That's a great, great observation. And I will pause on this great observation from you and I will come back with my own after the break. Um, So we're going to be splitting this thing into segments. So after the break, we're going to talk about game three and uh, see what we think about what the Nuggets will be doing and any counters and all this stuff. So we'll get to that right after the break. Okay. Boy, if you only heard the conversations that happen during the break, it's amazing. All the good stuff. Jeez. Uh, so uh, game three is going to be interesting because I I think the the Suns will throw not only the kitchen sink, they'll throw the, the you know, the bathtub in with it. And it is going to be the Nuggets are going to they're going to try to ba- and I just know what's going to happen. They're going to try to bury the Nuggets in the first half. They're going to try to build up something so big to where they have a cushion like that. This happens every time a team is down two zero and do you think even knowing what's going to happen do you think the nuggets have enough to win a game three when it's do or die basically for the phoenix suns i do because i don't know that this how many options the suns have on offense like i think i agree i I think if i'm the suns you had three days rest Katie's, you know, meniscus is going to be as as healthy as it's going to be, right. you know, um, and um, and and I'm I'm just designing. I'm, I'm Monty, you know. I'm, you know, getting Katie into space, however possible, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, getting mismatches, you know, getting switches onto him, and you know, and having Katie try to do a Steph game seven in in uh, Sacramento type game, right, where he's putting up 38 shots at high efficiency. Uh, now, a lot of the shots are going to be long twos. I've, all the national guys will talk about the math problem in the series. I feel like a dork if you don't mention the math problem, that, right. that they're shooting long twos, we're shooting threes. <laughs> but still, uh, KD's really efficient at long twos, right? And so I, I think you're seeing that. I think you see them do the same thing with Jamal, like put Jamal into a lot of actions on defense, really hound him on offense, um, and try to make the Nuggets one-dimensional that way. But but we didn't even see a good game from Mike yet. Uh, you know, And I don't yeah. think like Mike's shot is not, it's not like his that is affected by road crowds i you know mm-hmm. it's like when he's hitting he's hitting um mm-hmm. you know because it's just like he's a machine it's mechanical and so 
you know, I, I think that, that, you, that the Nuggets could still find offense, even if they do manage to to have the same level of success against Jamal that you can't imagine will be as successful as game two. Um, Jamal has to hit something. Um, but uh, so I, I, that's where I see. I mean, uh, you know, again, it's different going on the road for sure. The Phoenix crowd is very raunchy, raucous, R words. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, obnoxious, uh, <laughs> rub noxious. Um, so I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I, I just, you know, especially with Paul out, you know, Landry, you know, it's, it, we're going to get the campaign game. I mean, sure. Like, right. That's the other thing that Phoenix hasn't happened yet is, is that these guys are still professionals, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like it's KD, Devin Booker and, like, you know, a bunch of guys from Pepperdine playing, right? Like they're still professionals, right? right? And so one of these games, one of these guys will probably get hot, you know, and 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 that will help them win a game, right? Because they'll be, will get production from a Kogi or our old friend TC or whoever mm-hmm. it is, campaign. We saw campaign have have a couple of good games in that playoffs run in 01 yeah. or 21. So I, I like that's possible, but um if that doesn't happen. Like how many? How much? You know, Devin and KD can only score so much. What are they going to do? Get eighty-five? Maybe. I guess. Maybe they'll have eighty-five one game together. Yeah, well, they, yeah. I mean, that's what they did in the in the Clipper series. But the problem with the Clipper series for them, and then drawing Clippers. any analogy to that, is that by the time they get to the end, what was it? Norm Powell was their best player. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I just... And Norm Powell's putting up a lot of points, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah, he was. <laughs> it, it just, it, and, and, but in during that whole thing, and this is the only analogy you can have to the, the Clippers series, and which is, can you can talk about even in game three here? The, Booker and KD are having to play. So the math problem is not the threes versus two, it's the fact that KD. And Booker are having to play 45 minutes a night. That is yeah. 100% their problem because there's a there's a law of diminishing returns the longer you play someone. And I'll never forget Kevin Durant. Remember that uh, run that they had, the Brooklyn Nets had, with, with basically it was only Durant. Uh, mm-hmm. They got to the second round against the Bucks, mm-hmm. And, of course, that's famously the durant had a toe on the, the line toe on the line game when he yeah. made that shot if they if they if he makes that shot budenholzer is fired fired and history may be different but durant was playing the entire game he didn't and that, that he was playing every single game and that was game seven of the second round and yeah. i think that first round went long for the nets too and you could tell by the end of that even though kd made that shot he was just gassed yeah. and yes i trust Kevin Durant to be able to power through that. And because he's an amazing player, Booker is younger and he can probably do the same thing. But when you do that, and then when that is your only option, you just got nothing else. And the math problem is the fact that they are playing so much. And eventually, like you saw in game two, you just hit a, hit a wall. There's nowhere, there's more, no no more effort you can give. And I'm, that's where I'm thinking about with game three is like, they're going to throw absolutely everything they can in the first half of that game because they do they want to be able to rest they want to be able to get their guys rest so they can gear up for a major game four if they win if the nuggets can withstand that and stay in it and stay with their heads above water that'll demoralize the suns because yeah. that, that they will give them their best shot right there that's the way that's at least that's my vision if things and then go they well. gotta yeah and then they gotta come right back on sunday you know it's right. not a long rest between three and four um 
Yeah, I think that's right. The other related math problem to their minutes is the lack of players they have, good right. players. And, and you know, with the Nuggets haven't. Uh, you know, one thing related to what we were saying in the first segment about, about Jokic and just his aggressiveness and confidence, you know, his field goal attempts, you know, have gone up uh, in, in these playoffs and, and versus past. That's always been a, a worry about Jokic. Jokic, excuse me. Is he going to be too cautious? Is he going to be, you know, too passive? It's like he hasn't been like that way at all. And if I'm them looking at game three, um, you know, on the road, you know, maybe you're not getting a good whistle, but I try to test that out early and go at Aiton a lot mm-hmm. because this is, I mean, you have a team with no depth. And if you can get Aiton into foul trouble, which he's susceptible to, then and then talk about you know a team with no depth. Like what are they? You know you're going to be looking at a second quarter lineup of Bismack, Tory Craig, Campaign, and the other two guys. Like that's just that's not a, a on both ends of the court that creates huge advantages for the Nuggets, and the Nuggets can create huge mismatches. Mismatches. So and that'd be something I would I would I would like to see the Nuggets go to, but I don't. You know I. I, I'm I'm supremely confident. I'm not supremely confident they're going to sweep. I think the idea of going into Phoenix, winning two games, you just don't see a lot of sweeps. And 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 Kevin Durant and and Devin Booker are just so elite, and and they really can go off for 85 in one of these games. Um, but just the the amount of options that they have, and and how much they would have to be run into the ground to to do it in order to win four out of five. I just yeah. I just think it's really hard to see. Well, what it, and I guess my question would be, at least from your perspective, what would you like to see that you didn't see from the Nuggets in the first two games? Because every and I'm I'm always of the mind that every game in a playoff series is different, and that played out that way against Timberwolves game four. Nuggets were behind for most of the game, and then made that furious should have won the game. Jokic yeah. makes a free throw, uh, but they, they, they do that. And game three even was different. So is there something that you would like to see personally um, that uh, we haven't seen so far um, uh, from the team? Yeah. Um, not exactly. I a few couple things that come to mind, uh, you know, I'd like to see them try to get Mike involved offensively early, yeah. you know, and, and, and Mike got some chances. Um, so it's not as if he's been, invisible or anything but but you know drawing up some plays to get him into it on the offensive end i'd like to see a little bit more of um just because that creates even more optionality for the nuggets offensively um the other thing is with paul out you know like the mismatch creation you know against uh who who, is a campaign gonna start landry shamit yeah Uh, cool yeah i guess uh you know i mean so i think that is something that is new on the uh, you think about you know, the natural thing to think about is that, that the Suns lose yet another option on their offensive side of the court. But now you're coming the other way, assuming it's Payne or Shamit. I, I mean, you know, you can think about getting both Jokic and AG into, you know, mismatches with them, you know, pr- creating a lot of pressure on their defense, um, you know, trying to target them. Um, so th- those would be the two things that jumped to mind. I, I mean, the defense was so phenomenal in game two that not like, I'm not looking for anything new. Just anything similar to that would be acceptable. Continuation. Yeah. Yeah. Continuation on the defensive side. Uh, they did a great job on Durant and, and Booker figured out some things. Um, yeah. And his Booker and his BDIs really were able to, to, to break through a little bit. He is smooth. 
Um, I think you pointed that out to me via text. It is very smooth. He's very smooth. He's got uh, a compared to Jamal, like like yeah. the, like Booker's Booker's buckets are pretty. You know, Jamal sometimes has pretty buckets because they're they're like like you know old man moves and like ducking under and you know spins and you know it's like playing against a guy on the tennis court that has the great top spin. You know, like that's that. So uh, they're pretty in that sense. But but Booker is smooth. You know, yeah. and he's getting the you know to the bucket a lot easier. Well, he's got a he's he obviously you could tell that he spent a lot of time with Kobe because so, it, he's got it's very Kobe esque. Um, and but it's but it's twos. So I I I will take yeah. I will take Booker twos if Durant's not hitting, and yeah. that's what happened in game two. That's Durant's what Durant wasn't hitting because AG your boy My was. Boy. Has I would say he has been the unsung hero uh, because even in the first what a round, series, what a first two games from him in the second series. The first round is good, but the first two yeah. games have just been unbelievable. Well, even in that first round, I mean, he had a tough assignment. He it was him on towns, and yeah. he was getting banged the hell out of because he's you know he's not as big as towns is, and he was yeah. playing basically a center, and his job was just to make life difficult for for at the center spot for towns. And that's, that's, that's really was his goal. And he, he, and he knew his role and he did it really well. And what I like about, about AG is that he keeps doing what the team needs and he does it well. And he, and he, it's just, he's impressed me in a way this, this particular playoff outing that I, he's unlocked something that I had not seen, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, we uh we're nip I AG's been phenomenal. Like his offense in game one, and you're ne- like you were never gonna get that from him in every game. But like, you know, if he's if he can knock down a couple of those shots, the pressure he's putting on the hoop, you know, the, the mismatch creation, obviously the defense has been great. Uh, like AG, my boy, has just been un- unbelievable. Um, one other thing that I thought of while you're giving that answer that I'd like to see maybe uh and we're nitpicking now in this team again has been phenomenal. Um uh uh, a little bit more um, of the trying to get on the boards from AG and and MPJ on the offensive end because the Suns give that up, you know. And in Game One, that was part of the blowout was we were getting a lot of second chance opportunities. Now Jokic is doing most of that, but yeah. but but both those guys are athletic, long, can do it. MPJ in particular has shown that he can do it. I would have liked to have seen him in Game Two try to get on the offensive boards more to try to get his that way. Um, again, I, this is a nitpick on the margins, but that's something that you could look to in Game Three too. Uh, I'm 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 looking forward to and I, I usually get I, I I don't know about you as me as a Nuggets fan we'll get to this in the final seconds segment <laughs> because I got we got something historical and uh, Nuggets fan related to talk about in, this, in the last segment but we I I I noticed that like I got a nervousness and sometimes I just will like do something else while the first part of the game is going on because I'm too nervous <laughs> I've always been like that. When I was a media media member at the games, I just went dead inside. So I'm sort of glad that I don't have to do this anymore yeah. because it's like I'm not invested in the games. But this series, I haven't felt that. I haven't yeah. felt that nervousness. I, I just kind of I almost miss it. To be honest, yeah. I almost missed the nervousness. <laughs> I, like it's strange. I felt I felt like they they didn't even look good in game two, really, for most of the game. And I I felt utterly confident throughout the game. Small small pangs of nervousness um so yeah, it's nice. a nice feeling to have <laughs> it's, it's, i have to tell you it's unusual this is this must this must be what it's like to be a celtics fan i don't know <laughs> celtics fan yeah lakers fan when they're good yeah, yeah that's uh, 
this is the elite. We're be, we're becoming the elite. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to take one more break. And in the last segment, uh, we're going to talk about something that's been kind of circulating around Nuggets Twitter the last couple of days. And uh, it's worth discussing. So we'll be back right after this. All right. We are back. And uh, OK, so Nuggets Twitter saw Carmelo Anthony celebrating with the New York Knicks, he and uh, one of my favorite players in the 90s, John Starks, were uh, whooping it up in game two. And I, I, it caused me to think about a couple things. And you, you, you wanted to address one of these things. And I got another part that I want to talk to you about, very mellow specific. But let's talk about what you brought up to me before the podcast. In that the Nuggets do a really, I would say, shitty job of connecting with their history they have made some very feeble attempts the best attempt they made was 94 or the uh 20th anniversary of the 94 uh uh squad they they tim and that was tim Connolly. he he really made made an effort with that and that was his first year as a nuggets gm and i think i think the disappointing thing is like you watch that carmelo john starks even marcus freaking camby was there um and you're like, why, why doesn't that happen with the Nuggets? And and it it's it's kind of bugging me. So like, there's this, and especially since Kroenke has owned the team, there has been a disconnect with the Nuggets' tortured history as it is. But the, the disconnect with the history that kind of bugs me. So so the, you had brought that up to me, and you want to comment? Yeah, on I mean, I I think that there is. Um... I have like three really quick thoughts on it, but I, I think that they're all part of it. Uh, the first thing is you just, you have to mention the Kroenke thing and, and, you know, they're paying the tax, right? They're doing, they're checking the boxes. They're doing the minimum. We could have worse owner. Right. But I was listening to Ishbia on, on Bill Simmons this week. And it's like, yeah. it'd, it'd be nice to have an owner like that. Like he was saying the right things about how, Oh, getting the most fans in possible is what matters. You know, the fan experience is what matters. You know, meanwhile, like they they have to you know get Western Union to sponsor the free shirts that they hand out, so they have an ugly Western Union thing on the front of it. Like you know we're nickel and diming everything. They're in this. They're like playing in a practice court with leaks, and so and that's part of this, right? I don't think the Cronkies. I don't think the Cronkies are sending private jets to Marcus Camby to fly to these games, you know, so that he can be on it. Like that 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 sort of stuff that other owners do. Um, that's frustrating. I I'm utterly like enraged by them over the Comcast thing, the TV thing. I think about which we've talked about before. I think about like my dad who, you know, is technological. It's not like, you know, he's has dementia or anything. Hi dad. Like he's technologically proficient, but like he has Comcast. And so it's like, what? Well, like he's supposed to get like a fucking, you know, uh, you know, get one of these streams from, from Europe. Right. Like uh, right. to play through on his computer. It's a ridiculous ask. Right. And it's so uh, like, uh, so the, the whole thing has been frustrating that they haven't just footed the bill for this. Um, I can't imagine it's been a financial windfall. So they're frustrating. And I think they're to blame partly. I think that Denver as a city, which I love, um, I love being from there. I rep Denver, but like we do have to also recommend it's like pretty white. Like yeah. it's pretty white city. And I think that's probably a big part of this too, right? Like yeah. some of it's New York and New York is New York, but like if it's a different city, then guys, like if you're, if you're Marcus Camby, if you're Kenyon Martin, like after your career is over, are you going to stay in Denver? Yeah. I just culturally, I think that there's like a little bit less of that, right? You see this with the Broncos, right? Like Peyton is there. 
Okay, so I don't need to. We don't need to to play the race. Everybody can see it with their eyes. Okay, Peyton stayed after he retired, right? Um, and and so I think that there's a little bit of that happening that's out of out of Denver's hands. But yeah. you know, finally, it's like, uh, you know, it's a transient city. A lot of folks have moved there, and I really like my optimistic take of it. With those two negatives stated, is like this should be a moment to like cultivate it, like it, to do it, you have to cultivate it. Right? right. And, and I think that there are a lot of people that got into this team in the mellow years that don't go, you know, they don't go back to Bernie Bickerstaff land with you and me, or they certainly don't go back to Doug Mo land. with just you, us yeah. pre me, but like, you know, where we can cultivate this and get Matumbo in, get the powder blues back, you know, wear the powder blues on a special day, right. And like start to, to do an start to, you know, kind of create something. Um, and, and I think that, you know, San Antonio basically did that in the nineties, right? Like San Antonio wasn't a, a, a franchise of that nature. And like, now mm-hmm. they are because they had a team and a nucleus that stayed around and made it happen. And and hopefully this is that nucleus for us. You know, I, I, I have struggled with this to what the, what it means with Denver, uh, the entire time I've been a Nuggets fan. And I remember in the eighties, people were more closely identified with the Nuggets, but in the eighties, there was only two professional sports teams in Denver. It was the Broncos and the Nuggets and they played at the same time. So when right. they were, when they were both done, it was done. Um, right. And it really began changing when the Rockies were here, not in the avalanche. I, I don't associate Avs fans and Nuggets fans in the same way. They just, they, they're completely different audiences, but the, the, the Nuggets fans were kind of dis, dissipated through that, that horrible stretch in the nineties. And that is when everyone moved into the city, right? You know, your family moved into the city in the nineties. It, it, yeah. it, people got in and they moved from California, Texas, and all these different places and Illinois specifically. And they just kind of had their own teams because the Nuggets were dog shit that entire decade except for two years. Yeah. And I moved from St. Louis, right? Yeah. When I was in fourth grade. And it's like, had I moved from Chicago instead of St. Louis, I probably would have kept the Bulls. Yeah. You know, because like you come to a city, the team's not any good. There's no effort being put into it. You know, I mean, there's this moment with Matumbo in 94, but like, you know, around that, mm-hmm. not as much. No, and it's and it's a lot of it has to do with the Nuggets checkered pastry. Um, and a lot of it has to do with and you're right, it's a transient city. It's a it's particularly now, it's four million people in the metro area, and how many what high percentage of them are people from you know, didn't originate here, you know? Right. So it is it is a that is a problem. But I think more than that, the the organization can do something to connect with their past then they, they just have never really bothered in a way that makes any difference there was that 50th um anniversary thing in their 51st season which i thought at the time was really embarrassing mm-hmm. and like just take the time to understand that you the the actual season you're in you know and i think that I get to, I mean, the Rockies are doing that right now. The Rockies are spe- celebrating their 30th anniversary in their 31st season. And it, 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 the whole thing just kind of reeks of like, I don't give, give a shit. And I think that is the part that people yeah. feel on it. Get, yes. I mean, I, I can tell you for a fact, I've interviewed the man. Dan Essel would be for front and center if the Nuggets said, come down and represent the Nuggets of 19, of the 90s. He'd 
100% go down. Same thing with Fonz. Same thing with, uh, I mean, all these guys are just waiting to be connected with, with the city yeah. and they just, they just don't do it. Yeah, I agree. I, but I mean, I, I think that there is, you can sense it now as much as ever. Just when I visit Denver, I, as an outsider, I think you can get more clarity on this because you guys, mm-hmm. are, you know, it's hard to notice your own fishbowl. But yeah. like, there's something with it. Like, you see more nugget stuff. There's more engagement. My casuals, you know, friends from back then will will talk to me about the nuggets. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you can see it. It's there. It just has to be cultivated. A good team obviously helps, but but they just have to do it. And um, and it might have to just come from Calvin and other parts and grassroots stuff. Um, you know, like what you got, you're doing, what the NVR guys are doing, what other people are doing. Because like, even if they win, this is going to be the Cronkies, you know, fourth favorite child you know, still our third favorite child, no matter what. Right. So like, it's going to have to, other folks are going to have to cultivate it, but, um, but it might just, you know, naturally emerge just from, I mean, again, I go back to the Spurs. That's the goal here, right? It's Parker, it's Ginobili, it's Duncan, right? It's not like the Spurs fans are reminiscing about the 1981 team, you know, with like, I can't even name Spurs from the early eighties, which I was trying George, to come up with a good poll. George Gervin. Iceman, right? Like, uh, you know, it's like, that's not it. It was like those guys. And when they come back, there's a sense of, of bigness to it. And so this team has a chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And to, to bring up something that really started Nuggets Twitter go off was, I think it was Jake Shapiro from Denver fan who brought up the fact that uh, someone had mentioned about something about Melo's Jersey being retired. Yeah. At number 15. Well, obviously Nikola Jokic is now number 15 and I don't care about the Jersey. I mean, I, too many jerseys get retired as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't even care about that, but it did start me thinking about this. I, it has been 12 years since Melo was traded 12 years. Denver still carries, well, at least what people are remember of Carmelo Anthony. If you're old enough, most of the most of the fans of the team are probably not young or not old enough to remember much of the Carmelo Anthony era. Um, but there is a, a anger at Melo, and it also emanates from the Nuggets. The Nuggets have done virtually nothing to heal their relationship with Mello and Mello in, in also has done nothing to do it. It is like, it is, it is a bad divorce where you don't talk to that person. I'm not going to talk to that motherfucker ever again, that kind of thing. And that is exactly what has gone on. And they were talking past each other and all of this stuff. I'm of the mind that it's been 12 years. Someone needs to be the adult here. And because you cannot erase eight years of your own history, be it mellow or the Denver Nuggets. You just can't do that. But I seem like they're both kind of on that path. And uh, it really is disappointing to me personally to see that. Yeah. Can I just be on the di- other side of this? I just don't care. I yeah. just don't care. I don't mellow. Mellow wanted out. Mellow got what he wanted. Mello wanted to pretend like he was from New York. He's actually from Baltimore. I don't, and it's part of his personal brand, I guess. I don't, I don't really understand that. Um, but uh, uh, he wants to do the next thing. I, I, I think that there, I have fond memories of that team. You know, you think about the baby blues, the Iverson era, the Kenyon, the Chauncey, and Chauncey now coaches a rival team in the division, which complicates all that, right? right. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I mean, I think that if we we're going to have a, 
2009 15 year anniversary next year they should invite Melo back i'm not saying we need to like mm-hmm. you know uh antagonize him uh but jokic is number 15 now fuck him <laughs> as far as i'm concerned he demanded he, he demanded out and they lost in the first round every year and it was nice but like i don't know i i, I don't have Mood. i think is a different situation like uh you know i would i don't know how much effort the nuggets are putting in on him um but uh i know that there was some there, there was some hard feelings there and i think that is a situation where i think the nuggets need to be the bigger person and really try to roll out the red carpet for him uh, he got a raw deal um mm-hmm. uh, uh you know because all the political stuff but um but the mellow situation i don't know i don't i don't really feel that way i, I can I, I feel more like you about mahmoud than i do about mellow I can tell you two things about Mahmoud and another player. Yeah. They couldn't even find Mahmoud in when they were trying to bring everyone back for the 94 celebration. And uh, Mahmoud wouldn't hear anything of it. They really, Nuggets, I will give them this. Good. Tim Connolly specifically and Lisa Johnson um, both really tried with Mahmoud. However, earlier this year when that documentary was released yeah. on Mahmoud. He gave a couple Denver radio interviews. Yeah. And that is and he was on a podcast. That is the first time he has even done that in 20 years. Uh for for uh, over the air and then he gave one interview to Robert Sanchez at 5280 magazine that back in 2007 or something like that. Wow. It, it it a lot of it emanates from at this point Mahmoud the Nuggets have tried and they're going to have to be patient with him on that because he was fucked over. Um, number two is Antonio McDice. Yeah. McDice, they tried repeatedly to get Dice out here. And Dice has the same thing that Chauncey Billups had with the Nuggets. You traded me twice. Fuck you. Yeah. And that, I think, is a big thing for with players. And, and and Antonio McDice is one of the nicest people on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> that was... That's strange. I didn't I didn't, I, I didn't know that that he had that those feelings. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's it's just you, players are entitled to the way they feel, right? If if uh, that's the reason Antonio McDice didn't come back to Denver in 2009 when he was traded here. Imagine if the Nuggets had Antonio McDice that year, if he would have come in that trade, the Nuggets would have won the title. Yeah, you think about that all the time. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I, I think uh, no, they they he would have had him on. They would have put him on on Lamar Odom, and he would have made a difference. But it, it's just it's just there are things they haven't tried. But as far as connecting with the players who are willing to come back out, the Nuggets have done a piss poor job. You know, with Mello, I just it disappoints me. It just I'm just disappointed. And I'm not talking about fans, by the way. I'm just fans are entitled to feel whatever they feel. I do yeah. not. I, it is like you are entitled to feel whatever you way you want to feel about Carmelo Anthony, but from the organizational point and Melo's point, it, it's just it's petty and it's it's dumb and it, it it bugs the shit out of me. Well, winning sometimes fixes these problems. Right. So maybe we can keep winning and bring folks back and and everybody everybody likes to to get the residual scent of a winner on them. You know, and and folks will start coming back into the fold. I I would like to see it. Can I can I flip the tables on you and ask you a question? Sure. In in your little um, in your little heart of hearts, in your little brain, I'm just curious. Have you started to allow yourself to imagine a parade? 
Yes. Have you had a daydream about a parade? Yes, I, I, I have. This is what I've told people. If the Nuggets win the finals, it'll be the biggest parade since the Broncos first Super Bowl. It'll 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 be because as much as people don't like to admit it, basketball is the second most popular sport in the country. And I think that there's enough people in town who would be like to attach themselves with it because everyone likes to attach themselves to a winner. But there's old time people in Denver who just stopped watching and they would like to be a part of that, too. And it would be an enormous, enormous parade. I think about that all the time, actually. It's like, well, what would it look like? Personal, first of all, I would probably cry like Ben Stiller at the end of There's Something About Mary. I would I would just bawl, ugly cry if the Nuggets won. I, it would just be really, really disgusting to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is the first thing I think about. The second thing is like, how great would it be to just have this enormous celebration at Civic Center Park? You know, it's like. 600,000 people downtown just crammed all in you know i haven't gone to any other parades i'll go to this one yeah i still have bitterness out with my mother she didn't uh every my uh high school didn't can't didn't uh uh cancel school uh on the broncos on that that broncos first parade and and so yeah my mother made me go and like nobody was there you know, it's like a third. Of, this is but this is a pre cell phone era. You know, it's not like I could call her and be like, "I want to leave." Like, bring me to the parade. Like, nobody's here, so it's like nobody is at school. A third of the kids are there. Everyone's at the parade. So you know, it's just one of my grievances that I hold deep inside. Um, uh, you know, we all have them against our my very wonderful parents who did who did an amazing job raising me. But I still am a little aggrieved about that one. So, but the, their transplants have they adopted the Denver teams? Oh yeah, I mean. Yeah. They've been in Denver for, uh, God, 30 years now. We're on the 30-year Rockies anniversary. We beat the Rockies, so 32 years, 33 years. We were there the year, we moved the year before the Rockies. Oh, wow. So, 92? Uh, oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, um, total uh, total adoption um, of of Denver, uh, of Denver sports, maybe with the Rockies as the exception, St. Louis, you know, and all. Yeah. Cardinals. Well, that's, that's. That's pretty amazing. So, uh, I, I, I th- thank you for indulging me with the mellow stuff. And, uh, of that, course that was, that was, that was, but I, I don't get a chance to talk to people who remember the nineties. I, I just, and no one who covers the nuggets remembers the nineties. <laughs> I know I, the mellow thing was a big moment. Cause we were big and I give my brother, my brother credit. Cause he's just been more of a stalwart than me. I was a little bit of a bandwagon fan in and out during the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I like I wanted it though. Like, like when I we, I was a basketball fan, right? So when we moved here, like, and I didn't we didn't have a team in St. Louis. I adopted the Nuggets immediately, and mm-hmm. you know, I just wrote about this um for, in, the, in something for the Bulwark recently, and it was just like, you know, that they they drafted Jalen right after we came, and it was that Fonz team and Matumbo and the Sonic series. So it was all happened right as I moved, and and so I really adopted them. And then there's this lull in the late nineties, you know, where it's like, yeah. like I went along with it for the Bickerstaff years for a few years, you know, and it's like, then it's 97 and then it's 98. And then it's like, you're a junior in high school, you know, you got other stuff on your mind, you yeah. know, other things going on. And it's like, am I really, how much time am I going to spend on this team that's winning 11 games that Bill Hanslick is coaching? You know, it's just <laughs> like hard to, you know, 
hard to care. And that mellow draft was like this moment, you know, cause you're just like, it's like, it's the inverse of nug life, you know, was that mellow draft. Cause every, it's like, Oh God, nothing ever. You know, we got the third pick in a two person draft and then the fucking <laughs> Pistons fuck up and pick Milicic, you know? And I was a huge mellow fan from that Syracuse run. And so I get really, I, 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 it makes me sad that to say, I don't care about it now because like that really re-engaged me with the team and and um in a way you know and and i think in, in, increased everybody's interest in the team right like like you say people don't remember the 90s like there are people who go to the team that got engaged during the mellow years you know there's not a ton before that right so it really was this big boost and you know it sucks that he like quit on it but mm-hmm. that's life and, and i was 20 how old was i when he was drafted mid mid 20s and i just it it did kind of reconnect me. I do remember the previous draft when they drafted Skeetishvili. Skeetishvili. Skeeta. Skeeta. And I uh, got a call from a friend. He's like, well, I guess he's like Dirk. <laughs> we were rationalizing each other. Like, yeah. Maybe. I remember talking myself into Skeetishvili too. Just the name. You know how weird things do this in your memory? Like the name Skeetishvili like puts me in my childhood kitchen. You know, like reading the sports page, like trying to like find something in a Woody Page column to make me feel good about Skeetish <laughs> Um, Like that's 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 the connection I have when I hear that draft pick name. Oh, it's amazing. But hopefully, the future will be through the roof. I'm feeling it, baby. And then the people who are like teenagers now will be like, "Yeah, I got the fucking Nuggets." So yeah. I mean, like. Uh, that's my hope. That is my hope right now. So, all right, uh, Mr. Miller Same. is. Uh, Me too. Mr. Miller, you have anything to promote before I let you go? Um, no, come follow my political nonsense over at the Bulwark. Um, and um, you know, we love it. I try to I try to make dip nuggets references in uh, every once in a while. I you definitely will be seeing some Jokic gifs on my Snapchat show, not my party over the coming weeks. I'm trying to and uh, I throw as much nuggets propaganda as possible uh into uh, into those outlets. So so come and check them out. All right. And be sure and buy his book, Why We Did It. It's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you get your books. So uh, I'll thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG Podcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Ta-ta. 